From deep within the wonders of the Buttercup Forest comes a journey of mystery, confusion, and whimsy. Mad About Movies is proud to present Richard Through the Looking Glass. Oh boy. Here we are in gorgeous Dallas, Texas, right in the home of Barden Studios. Uh, welcome to Mad About Movies, Richard Through the Looking Glass, our first solo episode of Mad About Movies. I'm sure many of you were expecting if we ever were to do a solo episode of this show, um, it would probably consist of one of my other two colleagues who know far more about movies than I do, uh, waxing poetic about certain things. Maybe Kent talking about uh, the technical and artistic merits of a, of a summer blockbuster, or maybe it would be Brian giving context through his knowledge of, of every movie ever uh, around something. No, you'd be wrong to assume either of those things. It's going to be me talking about the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, just what we all demanded. I want to thank all of you. I issued a challenge. Uh, just really, I, I never, uh, I'll give a little background. I don't know really anyone that listens to this show. Um, like I don't, <laughs> I have a lot of friends and I only know of a few of them that listen. And, and those are pretty recent. Uh, people that talk to me. So I always just assume, and there's so many of you out there, and I'm always blown away at the you know the thousands and thousands of emails and tweets and stuff we get um, over the last few years. It's I uh, I, I it's it seems so sur- surreal to me. I never really think there's anyone listening. I just think we record these and then they just go out because in my life, I never. It's not like anyone I work with or like my girlfriend or anyone will be like, "Hey, really liked your thoughts on Spotlight." That never happens. And so it's just, I never think anything I say will have any sort of uh, repercussions uh, going forward. This, however, being a rather large um, exception. So a little background on why, if you're if you're not an everyday listener of this show and you're really confused right now, I'll give you a little bit of background. I was kind of, I wouldn't say fully bullish on the, uh, on this, on this film, but I do like James Bobin, Bobin, I never know how to say it as a director. I thought getting Burton out of the way and bringing in kind of an interesting director who's done some some fantastic work, uh, both with Flight of the Concords and the, and the Muppets franchise and someone I think is a, a really interesting visual storyteller. And I think the Alice in Wonderland uh, property is, is somewhat interesting. It's, it's one that can appeal to a large age range and a lot, you know, boys and girls and men and women and 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 I think it's a it's an interesting sort of psychedelic experience. And so I was I was cautiously like I kind of had my eyebrow peaked on it. Whereas Kent and Brian were so you know none of the three of us cared. We weren't doing a show back then, uh, but we were all pretty down on on Alice in Wonderland, which was six years ago, believe it or not. Six years ago, it seems like that was just three or four years ago. But it's twenty ten, and uh, but and 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 really no one. I, you guys may be different because you may be big movie fans and you really engage with this stuff. But you know, I don't really know. I've never been at a dinner party or like at a bar talking to someone or coffee shop or something and, and just gotten some Alice in Wonderland talk. It just seemed like it was a movie that came and went. And so a lot of people were confused, you know, me included at first, as to why, why would you make a trailer? Or, I mean, pardon me, a sequel to this. And I think you, you really have to kind of go into the numbers. So... Uh, this movie, the first movie made a billion dollars and 70% of that was overseas. Johnny Depp kind of peak Johnny Depp movie star years, uh, sells tickets. 
And so you make you make a sequel because it made a billion dollars. And there's there's other things to build upon. There's other uh, books to to adapt into this. So it makes sense. So I was kind of like had my eyebrow up, kind of curious about this, just because I like the director. And Kent and Brian were just like, no, it's going to be terrible. And we all agreed it would make a lot of money. Um, but I agree that maybe there's a 50% chance it could be actually pretty cool. And uh, so I, I was I was wrong. The movie is is pretty critically panned and to surprise all of us has really not done very well at the box office. It cost $170 million to make, which is a really large budget. It's Disney. They'll, they'll be fine. Uh, but it's only, this one's only made 250, less than 250 worldwide with only 167 uh, million at the uh, foreign box office. The ratio is still the same. It's still a 70, 30 split with the, with the foreign box office, but you know, the number is way down. And I think a lot of that is, uh, you know, Depp is is not quite uh, what he once was, and then also, you know, the, there was some there was some news right around when the uh, when the film came out that maybe turned some people away until they you know they wanted to at least hear more. So it's kind of been a rough few years uh, for Johnny Depp, uh, uh, save for the for the Whitey Bulger you know movie last year, which I think he uh, I think he got some pretty good buzz for, but you know, Black Mask. But yeah, so so the. Uh, so I issued a challenge once we kind of realized that it was bad. Uh, I don't really remember. I, I don't listen well, but I don't really remember how this happened. But I issued a challenge if we could get 50 tweets uh, that I would do an episode by myself. I would go see the movie by myself and do a show on Alice Through the Looking Glass. And again, I don't know anyone. that li- I can't reiterate to you, like my my life is so separate from the show um, that I was like, there's no, yeah, there's no way we even have 50 listeners, even though like intellectually, I know that the shows go, you know, a lot of people listen and it's, it's doing well. It's just, no one will care. And like within, I mean, within 12 hours we had the number and it ended up, we got like between the, tw- I got, uh, I got like, we got hundreds and hundreds of requests for it, emails and tweets. I got like text messages from friends telling me to do it that were listeners. I didn't even know they were listeners. I got text messages from people, numbers I didn't know um, telling me to do it, which is a little creepy, uh, but but no big deal nonetheless. But uh, but yeah, so now I'm I'm here. And so I should say uh, that uh, this won't be our usual hour to hour and a half episode. This will be shorter. I, I would love to do a full Mad About Movies. I could pad this maybe with some movie news, uh, but uh, there's not much going on today uh, or lately. Um, we're kind of in the summer. Uh, the, a lot of production has stopped because they're letting things kind of come out. So there's no, not a whole lot of movie news probably until until Comic-Con for the most part. So, you know, here I am. I, I should say that uh, of the three of us that, that do this show, I'll, I'll reiterate again, you know, Kent is, is, is completely brilliant at... Um, understanding how things are made, he's 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 such a great technician in so many ways, and such a creative person that he he really of the three of us really understands, I think, quality of of production uh, better than anybody. And then you know, Brian is a intense; he sees everything. If we did not do this show, Brian's life would be exactly the same, except we wouldn't record for whatever couple hours a week. Like he still would go see every movie that comes out. Um, me doing the show was like a big life adjustment to actually go see movies because I, I love culture. And I think, you know, if you listen to the show and you, you've heard me over the years, like 
I love culture. I'll talk about it all day, but I'm kind of like equally split between music and, you know, books and, and TV and, and, and movies and a lot of different things, theater. And so, uh, movies are definitely a part of a huge puzzle that I, that I love and, 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 you know, think about constantly, but, uh, they're not the main, uh, the main course like they are with Brian and Kent. So it, it's, it's a chore for me to go see movies that I don't want to see or don't really care to see. Um, this being one of them. So, so though I was an early champion of, of Alice through the looking glass, I was, I was dreading. And as you notice, this episode's a few weeks late because I'm busy and because it was hard to go to the theater because I, I, uh, recording this is no big deal. I love like any podcaster or broadcaster or radio person or whatever. I love, I love talking. I love the sound of my own voice. I'm hearing my headphones right now. I'm in love. But uh, the dulcet tones, but going and actually sitting through something like this is tough for me because I, you know, I'm, I try to live a very efficient life. I'm very into my time management and just sitting there and watching this kind of like silly, schlocky nonsense, not to spoil my review here in a minute, uh, was, <laughs> was tough and, uh, and, and, and darn near a day ruiner uh, is, a, is a phrase I'm trying to get. Uh, copy or trademarked. So yeah, so that's that's kind of the background on this. So so thank you guys for your uh, for your tweets and email. I'm going to read a few of them here. I gotta I gotta pull a few up because some of you guys are really funny. I like I said. I mean, some people got my phone number and <laughs> were were texting me. I just I would wake up and I, there'd be all these numbers I didn't know, and it was like Richard, you got to do through the looking glass. Count this as a vote. You better count this as a vote. Um, you know, I, when I was in college, um, when I was in college, I, I coached, uh, high school basketball and, you know, some of the kids I keep up with, some I don't. And I would get, I was getting like notes from them. Like you got to do Richard through the looking glass, like really, really funny people I haven't talked to in years. Um, and so it's great. You guys are, I, I always say like for such a silly little show of, 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 I think Brian and Kent would, would, uh, would agree. I mean, we're, we're just, dorky losers, you know, from the middle, from middle of the country. Uh, I would not consider us, uh, I, even though I think they're both super brilliant, you know, I don't think anyone, I'm always shocked that people, people care, but we have the best listeners, um, on the planet and, and through now you see me and draft day and, uh, all that stuff. I mean, the constant jokes you guys come up with on, on that is, is so fun. And it was really great. Like we record pretty late at night. Normally on a Tuesday night is normally we record a little behind the looking glass for you there. Wink. Uh, we record on a Tuesday night. The episode goes up normally overnight, and then we wake up Wednesday morning to a couple, you know, maybe emails or tweets, and then like throughout Wednesday and Thursday as we get start getting a lot of a lot of notes and stuff on all the stuff we messed up uh, the night before. So it was crazy because I like we did that episode pretty late. We were we were busy with something, and then so w- went to bed at like one a.m. Woke up, I get up early, and I was up at like you know like all millennials who are uh, who have great anxiety. Um, I was I reached for my phone as soon as I woke woke up, and uh, I already had like six tweets or something from from people asking me for uh, Richard through the looking glass. Even got a hashtag. Uh, which I think is the first time I've ever been hashtagged, which was uh, which was a little scary, you know. I uh, 
I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, it was it was cool. Um, so you guys are great, and and I hope that this lives up to whatever uh, weird uh, Schadenfreude thing that you you wanted to uh, me to enjoy this. Uh, <laughs> so some uh, some some tweets uh, from you guys. Uh, we got uh, yeah. So looking forward to hashtag Richard through the Looking Glass. Can't wait through Richard through the, for Richard through the Looking Glass episode. The people have spoken. I'm going to listen to the entire Richard Through the Looking Set, and I'll cry the whole time. That's Ian Hornbaker. Um, It's, I mean, just insane stuff from people for some reason. It's like, I can't tell if you're all, like, the sweetest, nicest people on the planet or bullies. Um, I think it's probably, uh, you know, somewhere in between. But but I'm I'm thrilled that you have what, even if your interest in this is is purely sort of... uh, evil i'm 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 flattered and honored that you at least direct your your evil towards me so so here we are it's it's richard through the looking glass it's the alice and look <laughs> alice and wonderland or alice through the looking glass spectacular here on the mad about movies podcast uh i wish i could take calls see whenever i uh i listen to a lot of like solo political radio and sports radio to kind of get ready for this and i was just kind of in awe like how do they just talk by themselves the entire time, like you give a speech essentially every day. How do you do this? So you listen to these guys and they take, they take phone calls. They cheat. They take phone calls. I, I realize every time I would, you know, they say, hey, okay, Rick in, Rick in Nashville, what do you think? And then Rick gives his point and the host goes, well, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Right? Okay, thanks. All right, we're going to go to Tony in uh, Topeka. Tony? And I wish I could do that because that would be a way better show because you would get people that actually know what they're talking about and have way better voices than mine. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you have to deal with just me droning on, but I promise you not for much longer, because like I said, this will not be the usual length show. So, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk, uh, Alice through the looking glass. I can't ever remember the title. I always want to call it like Alice in Wonderland two, but it's Alice through the looking glass. It stars Johnny Depp and Hathaway, Mia, why uh, I think is the, I'm, I took some Polish, in high school, so I think that's how you say it. Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Risa Fans, and uh, the Lay Down Rickman in one of his uh, last performances. Um, it is no shock since at least the first movie was a Tim Burton property, and he still produces one that Danny Elfman does the score. That's one of the. It's always cool to see a Danny Elfman score, although uh, he has scored some of my least favorite movies the last uh, few years, uh, with with Tim Burton's kind of late career being uh, suspect at best. Um, I can say that. I, I, I don't think I mentioned this earlier. So D- Dark Shadows, I saw Dark Shadows in the theater. Truly, truly awful. Uh, just a, a hot topic, a hot topic infomercial. And uh, Corpse Bride's not great. I love Big Fish. I didn't see, what was the one he did? Christoph Waltz. I don't know who I'm asking. I'm the only one in this room. I'm the only one in this, in this house. Uh, the, the Christoph, it's like, it's like something about eyes or ears or something. Okay, thank you, no one. Uh, I'd Google it, but you know, that would take time. Uh, so, but this is, uh, so I'm not a huge Burton guy lately, but like I said, James Bobbin Bobin is, uh, is an interesting thing. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to talk Richard. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk Richard through the looking glass. The hashtag has thrown me off. I'm going to talk Alice through the looking glass. We'll be right back. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. 
Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right. All right. It's review time. Um, that was my kind of my version of movie news where I just talked about myself at the beginning. I liked it. I think it was better than every episode we've ever done. Uh, just personal opinion, but I uh, really enjoyed my point of view, my uh, thoughts, my voice, my just general spirit. So that's definitely something we should probably take the, the show in direction wise in the future. So here we are for the the review portion. This is this will be brief. I hate these kind of movies. Uh, if you're if you're a hardcore man fam, and you've been listening and you're in the you either have been with us since the beginning, ride or die, uh, or you've you've recently gone back through our back catalog. By the way, now available on iTunes uh, over three years, over two hundred fifty or so episodes. Uh, if you if you're a hardcore man listener, you remember probably the angriest I ever got uh, was. <laughs> I, it was early. It was probably like our fifth, somewhere between like our fifth and tenth um, episode. And I, I remember I came in. I missed the actual episode. I I saw the movie and then couldn't. Couldn't. And we're going to get into what this movie is. I'm not just doing a crazy long tease. Uh, I couldn't. I got to the movie, but I couldn't make the episode. So a week later, I come on. We're doing something else, and they say, "Hey, Richard. By the way, what are your thoughts on Oz the Great and Powerful?" The uh, you may remember it's from like 2013. That may be why I think Alice in Wonderland is is newer than it did. I might confuse it a bit with this movie. Uh, it's the James Franco, uh, you know, Wizard of Oz origin story <laughs> or something. Uh, just a really bad, like ab- aggressively. I, it's like not that poorly reviewed. It's like borderline fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, fifty nine percent. And I think it's like six and a half on IMDb. It's it's like a very middling type film. It's it's awful. Um, something about like this aesthetic uh, is is gross to me. <laughs> like I just this super CGI'd, and I'm not like one of these like traditionalists that I wish uh, everyone shot in like 35 millimeter and or 90 millimeter, and and then Quentin Tarantino comes to your high school gymnasium and projects it for you, like. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm. I'm cool with with CGI if it's done well, and I'm cool with with progressive modern technology in in movies. Uh, you know, so you you can do such great things with it. But like, I, there's there's certain there's a certain aesthetic that really it's almost like bro country. It's like really tinny looking and like thin and haphazardly. Uh, produced in a, in a weird way, and I just I, I I know it when I see it. It's like p- the pornography debate. Um, 
and Disney has it sometimes. And I, it's, it's weird because it's the same studio that makes, you know, nothing looks more rich than The Force Awakens. Like, it's a, it's a super effects-driven, completely modern, computer-driven, CGI-driven film with a lot of practical effects, too, which is cool. But, like, even the parts that are straight CGI have depth and a richness to them. And I was like, for those of you that, that listen to this show all the time, you know I'm not, like, a Star Wars fanboy. My favorite part about For- Force Awakens, and I mean this is such a compliment, is it looks freaking expensive. Like, it looks... It looks every bit. It costs $250 million to make, and it looks like it costs $700 million to make. It's it's com- it completely real. I totally buy everything in it. And it's weird that the same studio that finances that, like you cut off, I mean, like, you know, Alice Through the Looking Glass, like I mentioned earlier, $170 million budget. That's $80 million less than The Force Awakens. Granted, a lot of money. Would love to have $80 million. We all would. Um, but it's like, you cut that look by a tenth. A ten, it's a tenth as rich looking. It's totally, even in 3D, it's totally two-dimensional looking. And I don't know if it's like a personal personal aesthetic that they go for. Maybe there's there's someone in-house there that, that really likes this look. And, and, and maybe they're right. They, they're probably right because that's their job. And I'm an idiot that, that yodels here on the, by myself like an insane person into a microphone, uh, which is, I'm, I'm like really, I'm watching my windows and I'm like, oh man, these people are gonna think I'm I'm so insane. Uh, but yeah, so so there's something about this look that Disney has, and outside of their Marvel films and outside of their Star Wars films, that in the, in the last few, that it's just like they compensate everything with color. Like instead of adding any sort of richness or um, you know realism to the CGI, they just make it brighter and and add to it. And I I, I suppose that that adds a certain amount of whimsy, and it, it's a Look, we're we're adapting a kids' book on some level, so I get that. Um, but you know, at the same time, I I really really hate watching it. And that's part of the reason Oz Oz the Great and Powerful put me in a bad mood for like a week. And then I watched Alice in Wonderland, the first one, fairly re- within the last two years. Uh, it's on TV a lot. I'm trying to remember what channel it's always on. But there's something that like some channel my girlfriend will always be watching, and then like she'll leave, and then Alice. And Wonderland comes on, and one day I was like, oh, you know what? I never saw this. I know it made a ton of money. Why don't I pop down and, and watch a little bit of this? And like, ah, like, you know, even on my on my TV at home, I just didn't care for the uh didn't care for the look of it. So part of me was kind of pumped about James Bobin uh for that reason, because this is someone who, if you're familiar with his work, especially in Fly the Concords, it's a pretty low budget show. Uh, and then they do so many cool things with practical effects and so many cool things aesthetically. And though Flight of the Concords is about essentially two guys or three guys really from New Zealand in New York City trying to make it as a band, um, you know, it feels like kind of it, they really accomplish establishing their New York. I get, and I always think that's a cool thing in film and television media is like building your own world, even if it's within a world we know. Like, you know, the, the Seinfeld New York is different than like the Friends New York, which is different than the Flight of Concords New York, which is different from, you know, every, every sitcom kind of has their version of it. I think that's cool. And there's a, there's a, there's a sitcom version of that, but there's also a high art version of that uh, where you really establish a world uh, and a look and a, an aesthetic and a feel and a culture within a, a place that we know. And it's really confusing when you're a kid, when you when you watch these uh, these shows or films or whatever, and then you you go to these places expecting 
that world and it's just, you know, like a homeless guy on the street screaming at you or like, you know, an abandoned uh, <laughs> warehouse, but not like the cool abandoned warehouse where Nirvana comes and plays, but like just a straight up abandoned warehouse. And uh, and I would always struggle with that as a kid because I was stupid and gullible and I always believed um, that these sets that were probably, well, definitely were in Los Angeles were, were what I expected New York to be or what I expected uh, some some other place to be. So, um, but the the world that they create in uh, in this is really disappointing because I think that was Bowman's I think greatest uh, strength with the Muppet movie and with certainly with Fly the Concords was creating a universe for the for these characters to really play in and instead it's just more watercolor on the screen more kind of odd dimensions like it, these movies really lean on like uh, wow this person's you know the the size of things and part of that's Alice in Wonderland in general but. I mean, how many times do we have to do shots, weird establishing shots on, on scale uh, that this person's, oh, wow, this person's so small or this person's so big. It's like in movies where they reveal a giant, but if they just did that scene over, <laughs> over and over again, it's jarring and it's super annoying. Uh, the cast in this is, is, is odd because there's definitely a lot of talent here. I think Johnny Depp is, is you know... <laughs> we've made fun of, of Mr. Depp a lot with his white face paint and his crow that rests on his shoulder and demanding to be Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow for the better part of the last 15 years. But he's certainly someone that is a brave and interesting actor for at least a lot of his career and someone that, that certainly makes choices um, and really goes for it. I don't think anyone would ever accuse Depp of like kind of taking his foot off the gas pedal. He definitely goes for it, uh, sometimes too much. Uh, but you know, it just seems like he's got to recalibrate calibrate in a lot of way. Um, and 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 ha- and Hathaway is. I always try to think of like sports analogies for her. She's she's a prodigiously talented human being. Um, she's it, you know it's kind of like a, <laughs> and I was early on this way early and 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 you can ask people that knew me at nineteen twenty. I never she always rubbed me the wrong way. But now I've kind of grown to like her just because now everyone else, she rubs everyone the wrong way, like so much more overtly that I, I find her to be like misunderstood and endearing in a way. It's kind of, she reminds me of like Hillary Clinton. Like she certainly has a talent to her and a brain and, and, and all these things. She's, she's brilliant in so many ways, but there's just something like inherently not likable about them. And the cynical view is there's a reason for that. And maybe there is on both of them. But then, like, you try to be optimistic. Like, what if there's not? What if they just have this gene where they just rub every human? Imagine how maddening it would be to be that kind of talented, whether it's in the <laughs> film actress spectrum or the political spectrum or whatever, and just everyone that meets you is just like, ugh. But you're not, you're not a bad person. Uh, that, would be, that would be maddening. Uh, so Anne Hathaway is, is certainly, and I think kind of, she, uh, she's such a Broadway-style actress that I always find I like her more in really broad performances because that's kind of her training. Like to me, she, she's, uh, you know, when she's small and trying to be every woman is when she comes off really disingenuous when she's allowed to be sort of grand. Uh, it, it seems more like she's comfortable in her skin. So I thought she was fine in this. Here's my thing. Uh, <laughs> Mia uh, Wasikowska, I don't know how to say that, just not a movie star. No no charisma whatsoever in a part that really demands it. And I think there's two problems with these movies, these Alice things, and I, or I guess three. The, the one is I, I just don't care for the visual styling. I think it's, it's, it's so thin, as I, m- I mentioned before, and, and 
and oddly stylized. The second is a lot of the dialogue is really, really putrid. And and the thing I should have noticed when I when I predicted this might be good was it's the same screenwriter as the first one, Linda Wolverton, who's written some some great Disney films. I think she did a draft on Lion King. I mean, like a, a really accomplished screenwriter, but you know, obviously her feel for this world is is a little off in my opinion because it's a lot of the dialogue and even some of the story choices. I'm vaguely familiar with this book. I read it when I was a kiddo. Um, were 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 a little bit off from me, and so it's hard even for a director like Bobin, I think, or Bobman. I'm going to keep just saying both because who knows uh, to to correct that too much. You know, you can only do so much with with a script. So you know, a part of that there. But Mia Wasikowska is, I think, a very good actress, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman, and just not charismatic person whatsoever. It's the same critique I always have for Jeremy Renner. And that's fine if it's a $20 million budget Alice in Wonderland that comes out in October. But, like, if this comes out in May, you know, and it's it's costs $170 million, like, you've got to have someone with some charisma in that part. So, like, I feel like both movies have been doomed because of that casting decision. The first one thrived in spite of it, which I think is is really odd. Like that's one of the top 10 grossing movies ever or something. And that's, that's the one where when people are playing barroom trivia in 20 years and they go list the top 10 films of all time, that's the one everyone's going to miss because no one, it never feels like it was that successful, but it was. And yeah, I think uh, I, I will, I look forward to watching Mia in, in future films, small, cool, like indie films. I think she's a cool, she has a cool, Factor to her, and like on a small screen, she's kind of opposite of a Hathaway in a lot of ways. But, but, uh, (laughs) in something like this, she seems, she seems so out of place and like almost as if she knows it. Like she's just hating, uh, making these films, (laughs) which, uh, is not exactly the uh, vibe you want going into a a film intended for mass audiences. Uh, she's, she's engaged or has been longtime dating Jesse Eisenberg. So maybe they talk about, you know, he seemed to kind of phone in. Uh, now you see me too. So, so maybe they uh, had some great discussions on on faces they could make to to connote that they are uh, miserable. Uh, the supporting cast on this: uh, Helena Bottom Carter. She's kind of a lead. Look, it's it's a very typical <laughs> Helena Bottom Carter. It's it's the very similar to what she did in the first one with like Bellatrix Lestrange. You know, she she she's got two pitches. Um, She's another sports analogy. They're she, they're fine. I'm I'm not down on her. I enjoy her a lot of times, um, but again, with like the scaling of her character, it's just like gets annoying to look at after a while. But that is kind of uh, in a lot of ways true to the book. And if you're if you're stoned, that's a gr- I'm sure a great character because I made the mistake of 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 you know I don't uh, I don't you know go to these movies on psychedelics or anything. I'm sure if you do. Uh, they're great. They're great for that. Uh, if it, to each his own, I suppose, but, uh, not my thing. So I have to watch this stone cold sober and, uh, you know, it's just the, the scale and orientation of things is, is rather, rather maddening. So uh, a few more things on the supporting cast. Uh, Risa Fons is a, is a kind of a fun English. He's, he's a guy that, you know, he had, he had kind of a, he had a run in the early two thousands. He was in Notting Hill. Uh, he was in the replacements, uh, movies that a lot of people saw. I'd see, like, I feel like I, I've had more conversations with people about the Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman's football film, The Replacements, than I have with Alice in Wonderland. Like, to me, in my brain, even though that's a totally garbage movie from, like, 2000, 
that's like a bigger movie than Alice in Wonderland. Like, I don't know who sees. I guess it's just kids and foreigners. But I, I this movie never comes up, so it's it's hard. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen. What do we do with 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 Sasha Baron Cohen, guys? I think, you know, he 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 is someone I would have bought when I first, you know, when I saw Borat. I I knew who he was. I'd seen a bunch of the OG stuff, and I still maintain. Uh, 2006, I think Borat came out, and I was so psyched for it. And that movie, seeing that movie in the theater, I had a really special. I was 19, 19, 20 years old, somewhere in there. I guess, yeah, yeah. I was just about to turn 20. And I, I was dating this girl. I was dating this girl from Estonia, uh, which is a, I, allegedly a country. And no, it's a big shout to all of our Estonian listeners out there. But uh, I was dating a girl from Estonia, a really nice girl. And uh, her friend was, they, she, was a, uh, she was an au pair. They were both au pairs. And her friend was a Israeli uh, au pair. They're both over in Texas working, uh, you know, with kids. So we go see Borat. They said, we want to go see Borat. And funny sidebar. So all these, all these au pairs hung out together. And they were from all over the world. They were, you know, they were from Estonia and Israel and Brazil and Germany. And you name the country they were from there. And they all hung out together because, you know, they didn't have American friends here. And they were, they were really nice girls. And the one language they all spoke was not... You know, culturally, they had one touchstone, and uh, it was it was the weirdest. It still freaks me out, and it was really what they expected America to be like, which is so insulting. They all had this insane knowledge, and they would sit and talk about of the, I guess, eighties and nineties television show Married with Children. Isn't that weird? I'm gonna let you respond. Isn't that weird? I know. I agree. Uh, they all loved <laughs> Married with Children, uh, and. Could, could go on about it. It was really bizarre. But anyway, so we decided to go see Borat. It's one of my favorite theater experiences ever because it was, I think, just the three of us. It was me, this girl I was dating, and her friend. And we go, like, opening night. It was a packed theater. And, I mean, the funniest. It lived totally up to the hype. Like, you, you had seen all this. You know, he did. It was That movie was so well-marketed. And then, but they still held so much behind the hand. And you go see, and you just laughed. So I mean, it was so. Fun. But I, I, I loved it so much because uh, the Estonian girl, her mother was from Kazakhstan, um, and so she, she was laughing so hard because of that, because the character Borat is also allegedly from Kazakhstan. And then the the Israeli girl, if you don't know this, Sasha Baron Cohen is is from a very uh, Jewish family, and so a lot of the you know the anti-Semitic stuff of Borat is done obviously ironically, but even more ironically because. He himself is 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 very proud of his Jewish heritage, but when he speaks in Kazakh, he's actually speaking uh, Hebrew, and so uh, there's a lot of in, there's like a whole second if you if you speak Hebrew and you haven't seen Borat, I would say do it because apparently according to uh, to this this young lady Shelley uh, that there's whole other jokes that are just for the Hebrew speaking crowd because when he's when he's speaking. Kazakh, he's actually telling all the Hebrew listeners, you know, all this funny stuff, like secret kind of Easter eggy stuff, uh, which is really cool. So I, I, we sat and we laughed so hard. So walking out of that theater, I was 19 years old. I, I was, I had seen the next Peter Sellers. I had, I had seen the definitive comic voice of the next 10 years. I would have bought all the Sasha Baron Cohen stock in the world. And I still maintain that he actually should have won the Academy Award for acting as Borat. And people laugh at me, but like the definition of acting is to really fool the viewer. And that's how we scale great acting, right? 
acting is just performing, but what, how do we measure what makes one performance better than the other? Well, it's, it's believability. It's completely buying that this person is this other person. And what movie, what performance ever in the history of the world, he actually convinced real people that he was this character. And he so inhibited it that every movement, even the way his pinkies moved, is, is Borat. And I think, to me, people ask me, I'm a, I'm a nerd for these things, what are some of the best performances you've ever seen, acting-wise? And I always put that in there because that's, that's an insane, he's not on a set. I mean, he's just that character in life. I think it's like one of the coolest pieces of, of comedic theater um, you'll ever see. And so, yeah, but the last 10 years, it's now 2016, it's been profoundly disappointing. And, and I think Bruno was, was, you know, had some laughs, but was nothing special. And, and The Dictator, the same. Um, the last film, you know, earlier this year uh, kind of flamed out. And so, what, what, you know, the Freddie Mercury was, biopic was supposed to be the saving grace, but then uh, Cohen couldn't get along with, with the remaining members of Queen. So I just don't know. I think, and he's so he's pretty good in in a supporting role in in Les Mis, um, but in this, it's 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 odd. I I just don't know what he's he's such a talent, and I just don't know what we do with him going forward. I you almost want him to to just like go away for ten years and then come back, you know, really let people forget about you, and then and maybe try to capture that Borat magic again. Uh, but but who knows? Because he's if you ever see him interviewed he's one of the most impressive interesting thought-provoking people you'll ever see speak and it's like i i root for him but it's it's not looking not looking great he's pretty uh pretty annoying in this so so performance wise this is this is not great visually it's not great screenplay is not great uh this is this is kind of the the definition of of a poor summer fair, fair. And I think between Johnny Depp's personal troubles and word of mouth on, on this, it, it hasn't done well. And I think that's deserved. Um, it's, it's a film that um, is, is completely kind of hollow and it, it comes from, you know, those loose Carroll stories have some weight to them and they're important in the, in the canon of, of culture. And this is, could not be a less important movie. Um, so that's, that's a shame. So I'm going to go ahead and give this, uh, I'm going to give it like a D minus. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, not a passing grade. I hope I, thankfully it hasn't done too well. I hope it doesn't catch a second wind and and merit more films in this universe. Uh, I'd be fine with, with Alice in Wonderland movies, maybe in 15, 20 years, maybe try again. Uh, maybe a director will get hot for it that, that has the right aesthetic, but I, I, I hope Disney walks away from this one. One thing I'll say, they can probably build some pretty cool theme park rides off this if they haven't already. I'd have to ask Brian if he was on the show, like a normal episode, I would, because he's our, our resident Disney World expert. But I was thinking that the whole time, like, this feels like a really good and well-produced theme park ride. I wish my chair would move. I'd probably enjoy this more. So I'm going to give this a D-. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go see it. Thank you for listening to me talk about it for a while. Um, I, hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. But... Uh, but yeah, this has been Richard Through the Looking Glass uh, signing off. I will do something like this again. I'll do a if if response is good, please let me know because I uh, you know I had to go see a movie and then I had to talk by myself for a while. So like, give me feedback, even if it's bad. I want to know how this was, and uh, maybe once a year, I'll get on here by myself and tell you guys some stories, and we'll we'll do a movie or something together. Maybe I'll learn how to take calls or something like that. That that could be fun, but. Uh, no weekly recommend this week from this. Here's my recommend. Don't go see uh, Alice in the Looking Glass. But uh, listen to the Mad About Movies podcast. Hit up uh, 
blueapron.com slash mad and support the show. Always feel free to donate to the show online. We, we, we're never going to get rich, but it's always uh, fun to, when you guys help us with the production cost of the show. Uh, and uh, we thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much again for, for tweeting in a weird way, even though this was totally just to see me miserable. Uh, I take it as a sign of support for our show when you say you want to listen to this episode. So I, I am flattered and humbled and all of that good stuff. So thank you guys again. Uh, this has been Richard Through the Looking Glass on Mad About Movies. And uh, stay tuned next week. We've got some cool stuff coming for you this summer. We've got uh, a couple. We've got Independence Day coming up, and then we have some really fun throwbacks this summer of 2016 uh, with kind of a cool little wrinkle to them, which I'm excited to uh, unveil soon. So, thanks again for listening. This has been Richard Barden at Richard Through the Looking Glass. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. You can go to richardbarden.com. Uh, you could do me a big favor and go to the Mad About Movies podcast dot com slash newsletter sign up for our newsletter those come out the first of every month uh those have been really fun to write the response has been great sign up for it it's once a month great toilet read great board at work for five minutes read it's not long five to ten minutes of a couple articles uh find out what's coming out on netflix all that good stuff we're, we're really proud of the newsletter it's been a real joy to work on so thanks for all of you for signing up if you haven't go do it right now because if you're telling yourself i'll do it later but you will forget and then you've missed these first two episodes, uh, issues, and you're going to miss the third one. So right now, just stop what you're doing, uh, stop this podcast, and go to, uh, there won't be any, anything more interesting, and uh, go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter, sign up. It's a couple clicks. There's even a, fun, a few funny jokes that I wrote. Uh, when it's, I try to make it fun to sign up, so entice yourself with that. What, enjoy the, uh, the uh, Barden humor. But thank you guys again for listening. I can't thank you enough. I'll be back next week with my cohorts, Brian and Kent. So thank God for that. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Richard Through the Looking Glass, out. See ya.